O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him.
Have respect unto the covenant, O Lord. O let not the oppressed return ashamed. Arise, O God, plead thine own cause. Forget not the voice of thine enemies. O God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why doth thine anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed, this Mount Zion wherein thou hast dwelt. Forget not the congregation of thy poor forever. Let the poor and needy praise thy name. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Have respect unto thy covenant, O Lord. O let not the oppressed return ashamed. Arise, O God, plead thine own cause. Forget not the voice of thine enemies. The Old Testament lesson for the 13th Sunday after Trinity is written in the 28th chapter of the second book of Chronicles, beginning at the 8th verse. The children of Israel carried away captive of their brothers 200,000 women, sons, and daughters, and also took away much plunder from them, and brought the plunder to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord was there, whose name was Oded, and he went out to meet the army that came to Samaria, and said to them, Behold, because the Lord, the God of your fathers, was angry with Judah, he has delivered them into your hand. And you have slain them in a rage which has reached up to heaven. Now you intend to degrade the children of Judah and Jerusalem as male and female slaves for yourselves. Aren't there even with you trespasses of your own against the Lord your God? Now hear me therefore and send back the captives that you have taken captive from your brothers. For the fierce wrath of the Lord is on you. Then some of the heads of the children of Ephraim Azariah the son of Johanan, Berechiah the son of Meshillamoth, Jehezekiah the son of Shalom, and Amasa the son of Hadlai, stood up against those who came from the war and said to them, You must not bring in the captives here, for you intend that which will bring on us a trespass against the Lord, to add to our sins and to our guilt. For our guilt is great, and there is fierce wrath against Israel." So the armed men left the captives and the plunder before the princes and all the assembly. The men who have been mentioned by name rose up and took the captives, and with the plunder clothed all who were naked among them, dressed them, gave them sandals, and gave them something to eat and to drink, anointed them, carried all the feeble of them on donkeys, and brought them to Jericho, the city of palm trees, to their brothers. Then they returned to Samaria." O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the third chapter of Galatians, beginning at the fifteenth verse. Brothers, speaking of human terms, though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it has been confirmed, no one makes it void or adds to it. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his offspring. He doesn't say, to descendants, to offsprings, as of many, but as of one, to your offspring, which is Christ. Now I say this, a covenant confirmed beforehand by God in Christ, the law, which came 430 years after that, does not annul so as to make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no more of promise, but God has granted it to Abraham by promise. 
then why is there a law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise has been made. It was ordained through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not between one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could make alive, most certainly righteousness would have been of the law. But the scriptures imprisoned all things under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, O Lord God of my salvation. I have cried out day and night before thee. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the tenth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Turning to the disciples, Jesus said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see the things which you see and didn't see them, and to hear the things which you hear and didn't hear them. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbors as yourself. He said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Jesus answered, A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who both stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. By chance, a certain priest was going down that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he traveled, came where he was. When he saw him, he was moved with compassion, came to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the host, and said, Take care of him. Whatever you spend beyond that, I will repay you when I return. Now, which of these three do you think seemed to be a neighbor to him who fell among the robbers? He said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Over the next few Sundays, starting today, we'll hear Scripture teach about different characteristics that Christians possess, characteristics of the Christian life. And this week, while the word is mentioned only once in our readings, 
The characteristic that today's readings speak of is Christian love. Now, in our gospel, a lawyer asks our Lord, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So our Lord asks him about the law, to which the lawyer answers, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Now, for a Jew, even for a young catechumen, this answer is obvious. He answers plainly with the two tables of the Ten Commandments. That's the law. That's the plain answer. And the law of God says that if you do it perfectly, you will inherit eternal life. The answer is obvious because at the time of Jesus, the Ten Commandments and the Old Covenant were over 1,500 years old, as was the promise for those who fulfill the law perfectly. And so, as Paul says, to give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. It had not been annulled. It was not added to. It was the same that it had been for 15 centuries. So the lawyer's answer is clearly right. To which Jesus says, do this and you will live. That's the old covenant. Do this and you will live. The question from the lawyer was obvious. The lawyer's answer was obvious. Christ's response is obvious. The lawyer had to know this. It was an easy question. Do the law, fulfill the old covenant perfectly, inherit eternal life. Again, as a Jew, the lawyer knew all this, and no doubt he was full of pietism and always showed how faithful he was. Always honoring the Sabbath, going to synagogue, listening to the Torah and the commandments, observing the Passover and all the Jewish feasts. He knew the first table of the law well. He knew how to do the first table of the law well. His piety towards God was probably never in question by those around him. And no doubt he felt he was offering his sincere works to God. And in a certain sense, the first table of the law is rather simple for him. In Deuteronomy, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Well, it was clear who the Lord was. It was clear from the law how we are supposed to love our God. So the first table, that's easy. But the second table of the law, the neighbor, well, that's trickier, isn't it? What makes someone your neighbor? In the scriptures, there's certainly more to it than just a person who lives next door to you. It's not that kind of neighbor. And the answer to this question of what makes someone my neighbor would hold an important distinction. Because if someone is your neighbor, then you must love them as yourself, as the law says clearly, to inherit eternal life. But if a person is not your neighbor, well, then you're not required to love them, are you? And if you're not required to love them, then it wouldn't be against the law to, I suppose, injure them or kill them, seduce their wife away, or if you don't consider your wife to be your neighbor, to send her away in divorce. It wouldn't be against the law then to steal from them, gossip about them, lie about them in court, covet what they have, even plot to take what they have for yourself because they're not your neighbor. And in this question, who is my neighbor? Well, in this question, the lawyer reveals his heart, because this lawyer is not someone interested in loving his neighbor as himself. No, no. This question shows that he wants to love his neighbor in order to love himself. If he can know who his neighbor is, 
then he can hate those who aren't his neighbor, and then he can use those who are his neighbors to earn his way to inherit eternal life. He's not really interested in loving his neighbor for his neighbor's sake. He's interested in loving his neighbor so he can justify himself and take advantage of those who aren't his neighbor. That was his heart. That was the heart of the Galatians when Paul sent this epistle to them. This is the temptation of our heart as well, the temptation of our flesh. Perhaps we don't ask outright, who is my neighbor? Because in our piety, we know what the answer is. (laughs) But it comes in more devious ways, that question does. Maybe we think, oh, well, they deserve what happened to them. Let them suffer it. Or we think, he's obviously a Nazi or a fascist or whatever political pejorative you want to use. So let him suffer. Or I'm sick of him doing this, so I'm not going to talk to him. I'll just let him get his and I'll just not say anything. Or it can happen when we look at our spouse and say, I've had enough of you. You're not my neighbor. I'm leaving you. Because it's about your happiness and not theirs. They stop being your neighbor. The temptation is to love the neighbor, to think we're earning heaven, or to think someone is not our neighbor, so all bets are off in how we treat them. That is the thinking of someone who is working under the law to earn for himself eternal life. It's still about himself, as it is for the lawyer. It's of trying to fill the Ten Commandments in the Old Covenant to earn your own righteousness. But there is something very important which this lawyer and the Galatians and we at times, our flesh, forgets. And it's this, as Paul states. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It doesn't say to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, in this case to Abraham, so as to make the promise to Abraham void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. You see, the lawyer remembered Mount Sinai and the Old Covenant very well but he forgot about the covenant of God's promises to Abraham. The old covenant came after, long after, the covenant to Abraham and his one offspring. And the promise of that covenant to Abraham was this in Genesis, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you are a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the promise to Abraham and his one offspring. And did you hear this in the promise? The lawyer asked, who is my neighbor? And here in the promise to Abraham, God answers that question. In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then the scriptures say, Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say Abraham fulfilled the covenant of the law and that was counted to him as righteousness. No, the inheritance to Abraham, the inheritance of eternal life, came to Abraham not because he loved God with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind, but it's because God promised this inheritance to him. 
and to his one offspring, the Christ. And so Paul goes on, why then the law? Paul says, because of transgressions, because of sin. So because of sin, the commandments and the old covenant were written by God, put in place through angels by an intermediary who was Moses. The law was never meant to remove or make meaningless the promises to Abraham. To remove the inheritance of eternal life by promise. Because what was promised to Abraham was promised in a covenant, which, as Paul said, and he was speaking about this covenant to Abraham, the covenant that's ratified could not be changed or added to, added to once God ratified it with Abraham. But the law was needed because of sin, Paul says. Of course, it's needed to curb and restrain sin so the promised offspring could come so we can live. But also, the law was needed to show us our sin to condemn us in our sin, to show us that being corrupted by sin, neither Israel, nor the Galatians, nor the lawyer, nor we can fulfill the old covenant and earn for ourselves eternal life. The law shows us our sin and condemns us, just as it shows the sinful heart of the lawyer, and as it shows the sinful hearts of the robbers, and the priest, and the Levite in the Lord's story, just as it shows us our sinful hearts when we go to use our neighbor for ourselves or treat someone as if they are not our neighbor. Then the law shows us our sin and condemns us. In those cases, there is the complete absence of Christian love, which is replaced only by the perverse self-love that wants to nullify the promise and earn its own righteousness. And the law shows us that sin. And to this, Paul tells us, is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Both the law and the promise come from God, so they are not contrary to each other, because God cannot be contrary to himself. Had God intended us to inherit eternal life through the law, then he would have given the law to Abraham and not bothered ever with Moses. But the law was given to show us our sin, to condemn us, to show us the guilt and punishment we deserve for our sin. It was meant to show us our need for the offspring of Abraham, for a Savior. It was meant to point us to Christ, to point to him who was born without sin, who in his life fulfilled the law perfectly, who took the guilt and punishment for our sin on the cross in his death, who defeated that death of the law in the resurrection. The true Good Samaritan is he who saw you dead to sin, left heaven, and gave up everything that was his to give you life. In the story, the Samaritan says, Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. What he had to spend, what Christ had to spend, was everything. The law shows us he is our Savior, who gave everything to give us life. The law points us to him. The promise of salvation and of the resurrection won by Christ is given to you. This promise is given to you in baptism, in the word, in the sacrament of the altar. And just as it was for Abraham, so it is for you. In baptism, you believe this promise. And in that faith, Christ's righteousness is counted to you. 
it's given to you. By promise in the offspring of Abraham, eternal life is your inheritance. Again, who is my neighbor? And again, we see the answer given in the promise to Abraham and his offspring. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Our neighbors are all the families of the earth. Because that is who the promise to Abraham covers. Because Christ died for the sins of the world. That is, he died for the sins of all the families of the earth. Everyone is your neighbor because Christ died for all. And of course, we can't love all the world ourselves. So our neighbor are those people, like for the Samaritan, whom God places in our life. Everyone that God places in our life, Christ died for. And that is our neighbor. The difference between the lawyer and the Samaritan is in the heart. The lawyer's heart was imprisoned by the law, but the Samaritans was freed to love by the gospel. Because while the lawyer was trying to earn his righteousness, the Samaritan believed the promise to Abraham, and Christ's righteousness was then credited to the Samaritan as righteousness. And now, no longer enslaved by the law, the Samaritan's neighbor, who was a half-dead Jew, his enemy, became someone he could truly love. His neighbor was no longer someone to be used for his own righteousness. His neighbor was someone now that he could sacrifice everything for in true Christian love. The Samaritan loved not to earn righteousness. He loved because he had been given Christ's righteousness by promise. And in Christ's righteousness, he could truly sacrificially love without question, without thinking about himself, without sparing any suffering for himself. It cost him, actually, to love this man. So he could show mercy with all he had and the law. Now that we've been given Christ's righteousness, the law as a guide, not as something which imprisons us, not as something that curbs us, but now as a guide, shows us that what the Samaritan did is loving and merciful. And we know this because Christ himself loved us and showed us mercy in this way, as the true Samaritan. The final thing Jesus says to the lawyer is, you go and do likewise as the Samaritan did. But this time, Christ is not telling the lawyer what he has to do to earn salvation under the law. This time, it is if Christ is telling him, Repent and believe as Abraham believed. Or it is to say, repent, receive the promises of baptism, receive my righteousness, and go and love your neighbor whom I put in your life as I love them. And to you today, he says, come take, eat, take, drink, Eat and drink with all the company of heaven, which is more numerous than the stars. Be forgiven, be strengthened, and in that strengthening, go and love your neighbor in my righteousness. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us.
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, give unto us the increase of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain that which you promise, make us to love that which you command. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season, 
give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen.